Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we're going to speak about some people, plaintiffs, who came to the court to make an application in relation to a company. Now, the plaintiffs were executors of an estate, and the person who passed away, the deceased, uh, had some shares in their estate, which meant that in their capacity as executors, the plaintiffs were shareholders. And what they did was they came to the court and they said, we want these certain parties to repay some debts to the company, and we want this company wound up. What's going on? The company we're talking about uh, operated a business and the business was running a retirement village and uh, it was a business that managed to you know, do reasonably well, financially speaking. Let's flash back to 1997 and at this stage the retirement village uh, business is on foot and an agreement is entered into and the director of the company, who's not one of the plaintiffs, and is not the deceased, causes the company to enter into an agreement with another company, and that company is related to the director. That makes sense? So the director causes the company that operates the retirement village to make a deal with this company that's related to the director. And the deal is that the company we're talking about today that operates the retirement village is going to pay management fees to the related entity company. And over time, those management fees are going to be scaled up uh, and they, the scale up is going to follow CPI, the Consumer Price Index. And there are then going to be options to extend this sort of management fee arrangement. And over time, uh, these payments are made. Now, the 1997 agreement doesn't apply to the arrangement for all that long. Uh, it sort of falls away about 2002. But in any case, management fees continue to be paid. And in fact, the quantum of growth in those management fees being paid grows over time so that the increase is beyond the CPI increase that it would have been. And there's also expert evidence before the court that says the growth of those management fees is beyond uh, what might be expected for management fees being paid for a similar company uh, engaging a similar party to do similar work. And so we've got this sort of overpayment of management fees happening for a number of years. Now, uh, that rolls on for a while until about 2016. And in 2016, what happens is the director, this is our person uh, who sort of controls the company, what it does, causes the company operating the retirement village to enter into another agreement with the company related to the director, the related entity company, for management fees, and this time at a further increased rate of 70 grand a month, which is a substantial sum, as you can, as you can tell. Now, uh, that 70 grand a month uh, increased management fee payment is entered into in 2016. The business of the company, remember a company and a business are very different things. The business is essentially an asset of the company. So the company sells its asset, sells the business, in 2017 for about $25 million. So it's now got a big chunk in its bank account. And despite that, and in accordance with the 2016 agreement that the director caused the company to enter into, the company continues to pay the 70 grand a month management fees. Now, uh, as you might imagine, the parties aren't entirely 
happy with each other. And in about 2017, the plaintiffs commence some Section 247A uh, proceedings or, or make an application pursuant to, the, to that section, which is essentially the sort of application that a shareholder and some other parties can make um, to inspect some documents relating to the company. They're looking for information to figure out what's going on. And uh, about $19 million is funneled away from the company from about 2017 to 2019. And in 2019, a provlic, that's the cool way to say it, or a provisional liquidator uh, is appointed to get in, take control of the company and figure out what's going on. So uh, that is what we're coming to deal with today. How was the court going to treat these payments that flowed out from the retirement village business company through to the director in part and through to the director's related entity in part? Well, let's firstly start with these management fees. What the court says is, yes, as I mentioned before, the payment was over what would have been the CPI increase on the 1997 agreement and over what we might have expected to be a market rate for those sort of fees for the relevant time. And by the director causing the company to enter into that arrangement, that above market rate arrangement, the director breached their director's duties to the company. And so the director is obliged to account for that breach. Breach of director's duties, that's the damage. And so we then turn to the 2016 agreement. Similarly, the court found that the director causing the company to enter into an increased fee arrangement as at 2016 was a breach of the agreement, that 70 grand a month rate. And then similarly, in causing the company to enter into an agreement to continue to pay these fees even after the business was sold, so the company's essentially a holding company and it's still paying 70 grand a month out to this related entity, that was also a breach of the director's duties. The next uh, matter for the court to confront uh, was about loans. Um, there are various loans made to the director, various loans made to the director's related entity, um, in the um, several million dollar range, or perhaps slightly higher, forgive me, my memory's failing me slightly there. Uh, and over time, uh, those loans grew to a significant amount. And what the court found was those loans were entered into in breach of the director's director's duties, because the director breached the no conflict rule, among other elements of the duty, in causing the company's money to be paid off to uh, themselves in their capacity as director, and paid off to their related entity. So the company loses the benefit of that cash. Some of these loans aren't well recorded. Some of them aren't really on commercial terms. There's a question about interest that doesn't seem to be adequately answered. And so the court says, in causing those loans to be made, the director breached their duties. Further, the director in uh, pushing the company credit card on expenses that were not properly company expenses to the tune of about $1.8 million, that was itself a loan. And at the time of the judgment we're talking about today, the, pro the provisional liquidator, the Provlic, um, was chasing that sum. And so the court said, yes, look, it's appropriate that the Provlic goes and chases that amount and gets it paid back into the company. In addition to that, um, we have this question of accessorial liability, this question of knowing receipt, right? So let's just think it through. Because what happened was the director, this natural person, a flesh and blood person, caused a company, legal entity, to pay some money to some other company. And so if the director made 
this company pay that company some money? Can the receiving company really be held to account for that amount? As you can imagine, on one view of the world, the receiving company could say, look, hey, I was just paid some money. I mean, you know, can't criticize me. I didn't do anything. I just, I just received this money. And this is where the concept of knowing receipt and accessorial liability comes in. And knowing receipt, as you might imagine, uh, is about whether the recipient of the money, person who receives it, knows that the money is paid to them in breach of the other person's duty. And the short point is that the director was the controlling mind of the receiving company, of their related entity, and so the court had little difficulty in finding knowing receipt was met here. Now, bearing all that in mind, the court said, yes, this was a case where it was appropriate that the company be wound up, pursuant to section 461, so the winding up orders were made. The court ordered that our director was indebted in a sum in excess of $15 million to the company, and the related entity was indebted in a sum in excess of $15 million as well. I hope that assisted you, and I look forward to chatting again soon uh, over another coffee and in respect of another case note. Cheers.